0: This episode is brought to you by Notorious Fire Company. Firefighter owned and operated, Notorious Fire Company manufactures and creates quirky and unique items for the fire service. Whether it's your stainless steel water bottles, tumblers, four-in-one koozies, you can decorate your emotional support water bottle with more than 100 different designs. They offer so very much, from apparel to swag to stickers, they got you covered. Check them out at notoriousfire.com. That's N O T O R I O U S, notoriousfire.com. And check them out on social media Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Notorious Fire. And this month with the podcasts, if you use coupon code Fire Radio June 2023, that is Fire Radio June 2023, you'll get free shipping on all orders within the U.S. So check them out, NotoriousFire.com. Lenny and the crew, they're making great stuff. And I have to tell you, with the summer upon us, the sticker packs are out of control. You got everything from Star Wars to pinups and everything in between. Slap them on your beer fridges, your coolers, and your tumblers and celebrate the summer in style with Notorious Fire. A good supporter and longtime friend, we're happy to have him on the podcast with us. Check him out, NotoriousFire.com and coupon code June 20 23 for free shipping all across the U S everyone. Jeremy national fire radio back on the podcast today, a very special guest, the gentleman that well, his name precedes him. I, I knew of this gentleman long before I got the chance to shake his hand, uh, and look up at him and into his eyes. Uh, captain Mike Dugan, 45 years in the fire service, give or take, 27 years retired out of the FDNY, served in some of the busiest truck companies across the city uh, in a couple different boroughs. And we'll get into that. Um, Mike is a softy with an iron fist. And that's my description of you, Cap. And uh, well, I want to get into that, too. Uh, But thank you. Thank you this morning for joining me on the podcast.
1: No problem. Thank
0: you for having me, brother. Uh, it's fun. I, You know, I am one of the luckiest guys in the fire service. At least I like to think so. Um, over the last few years with National Fire Radio, getting to uh, meet and then become friends and brothers with guys like yourself and many others that I just cherish our relationships. And, you know, for me, you, um, you have been quite instrumental in uh, somebody that I admire and look up to only because um you carry yourself with such a gentlemanesque take meaning you are a complete gentleman and when i said before in the intro about softy with an iron fist you are a uh, you're not afraid to shed a tear you're not afraid to give a hug but man can you also come down with an iron fist if need be and i think that that is such an important characteristic of of being a man and a gentleman Uh, and I just admire that in you and, and, you know, knowing a lot of the stories of your career and only knowing a few, I mean, just scratching the surface and it's such a decorated career that you've had, um, man, I'm just honored to, uh, to have you on the show today and, uh, just to be a brother and a friend. And I appreciate you.
1: Well, thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you. So let's do this. I
0: want to hop in. You've had quite the colorful career in New York City. I know you started as a volunteer out in Long Island. Uh, you you live out in Long Island. Uh, so those were your early days. And when you got hired, you went to uh, Ladder 137. Now. Correct. That's not a company you often hear about, you know, uh, and so on. So I'm curious. How how the process went, and how you ended up at one thirty seven out of the academy, and maybe you could just speak to that a little bit, and maybe uh, how you ended up transferring as a probie, I believe, uh, and eventually uh, transferring as a probie to forty three truck or ladder forty three uh, in Spanish Harlem, which is a little bit different of a neighborhood. So, what how did that all play out
1: for you? Well, um, when I graduated the academy in eighty uh, five. Um, my class sent 11 of us to the battalion on the beach, which is Rockaway Beach. Got it. Where what? Ladder 137 is. We were to kill overtime because the guys were making too much money down there. Got it. The firehouse I went to uh, was Ladder 137. Now, I was my class valedictorian. And I thought I had a hook. I thought I had a rabbi pulling a string for me and I was going to go someplace in the Bronx. Yeah. And it didn't work. And I went to ladder one thirty seven which was one of the slower companies in the city,
0: so top of your class, top of your class, and you get yep. the, you get assigned to one thirty seven where typically if it correct me if I'm wrong, but typically the the top of the class they they get bid on or they get to go to usually some pretty good houses,
1: yes, yeah, my probie class yep. had um um The guys in my probate class had fathers on the job, uncles on the jobs, family on the job. Right. And I had in my class uh, four super chiefs sons Uh. who were two stars or above their (laughs) sons. (laughs) And, you know, all of the spots got filled. Yes. So I ended up going to um, this place and their nickname when I was there was the washed up brothers on the beach. Now, they, they, These were great, great, great firemen Yeah, who had done their time in great companies in New York City. Uh, guys who worked in Lot of four with Bobby Farrell, guys who worked uh, in 280, 132, 234, 290, great companies all over the city. And they were getting ready to retire. Yes. So it was a retirement home. And in the engine, 268, the junior man used to get the nozzle, and I remember one night the junior man had 29 years. The nozzle man, and it was a four-man <laughs> engine, a four-man engine. The back step had 140 something years of service. Oh my gosh! Yeah. So <laughs> it was crazy. Yeah. It was crazy, and they were good guys. Sure. But they had done. They. They were tired. Done yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and they were just biding their time.
0: So they must have loved when you guys came charging through the door.
1: Oh, yeah. And, you know, (laughs) uh, we we have drill. And very honestly, the drills in that firehouse were by the book. At 2 to 3, the lieutenant sat down and read from the drill manual. Right. And I am a gung-ho, want to be doing fire duty, want to go do this stuff. And this guy is reading, and very honestly, I won't give you his name because I don't want to be disrespectful, but he had a monotone voice. He was like Bob Ross. He could put more firemen to sleep. <laughs> and when you force the door, yeah. the fork of the Halligan will point towards, the, you will go above or below the lock. And I'm sitting there with everything I have trying to stay awake, you know, standing up in the kitchen, and he's just reading to us. And And then he'd pass the book and say, okay, you read a couple of pages. You read a couple of pages. And that was training. That was training. Yeah. That was training.
0: And for you to be a probie, you don't know. I mean, other than the exposure you've gotten at The Rock, you don't know what – you're like, wow, is this this what it's about? Like, is this how we do it, right? Because that's your first stint, right? Yep, yep, yep. Oh, my gosh. So at what point then did you come to realize, like, wait a minute, you know, there.
1: I think there's more
0: to this job.
1: There were a couple of good guys there, <laughs> um, that were um, down on the beach for whatever personal reasons, um, childcare issues, divorce sure. issues, whatever else. And a couple of them told me, "You don't belong here. You don't belong here. Get out." So I tried to put a, a paper in a request for transfer as a probie. Yeah, and. The division commander would not let it go through. It's kind of
0: not not the norm,
1: right? Not the norm for a probe. We don't want to get out of a place. Exactly. But I, I, you know, they offered the transfer to move me to another company on the beach, which was, um, busier. Yeah. And but they were like, uh, you know, I don't know. So I was there, and one of my friends was a guy by the name of John Donnelly, and. We used to work together a lot. We were in the same groups. And we went to the same box, this old Irish bar on the beach on 116th Street called, uh, no, I'm sorry, on uh, 99th Street called Dingy Dance. Okay. Okay. And we went there every morning. It's my kind of place.
0: I can just tell her.
1: Right. Like for a week. (laughs) Yeah. For a week for nothing. And then the morning I get, I'm down on the watch and. We get the box, and I open up the doors, and the smoke blows in the fire. (laughs) I'm like, oh, yeah. So we go there. It's a third or a fourth alarm. But there's a captain there who's talking to all these deputy chiefs. And uh, I go to my friend, John Donnelly. Who's that? And he goes, that's Richie Fanning. He's the commissioner's executive officer. He's my neighbor and good friend. I said, and I'm trying to get out of here? Yeah. Oh. Oh. Shit, I never even thought about it. And he goes, "Okay, so I got married, and I on May thirty first, nineteen eighty six, and uh, I am on my honeymoon. And I get home, and the tape machine on my old answering machine with the cassette is full of messages. Well, I got transferred, <laughs> so I had to call this guy, okay, Richie Fanning." Yeah. And I said, where am I going? And he goes, you're going to 43 truck. And I was like, where is that? That's fantastic. He goes, "Uh, Spanish Harlem. I said, okay, um, that's great. Yeah. I don't know anything about it. I didn't have a paper in. And he goes, that's where you're going. I was the only fourth grade fireman on the order transferred. And I was transferred to 43 truck. So I go into 43 truck. And I think I'm doing everything the way I am. I'm sitting in the kitchen as a probie having coffee with the guys in the morning. Yeah. Well, that's not how they did it. Okay. So finally, the senior man looks at me and says, could you come in with me for a minute? Sure. He goes, what are you doing? I said, I don't know. What do you want me to do? He goes, you don't know? I said, no. Oh. And he goes, wow. okay, well, here's what you do. And 43 truck had a wonderful tradition that I love. The junior man wrote the riding list and presented it to the officer. Okay. Because they knew who was who, and they knew who was going, whose turn it was to go on the detail, and who was going there, and what was going on. And we had, you know, seated chauffeurs. They drove. Uh, We had an old guy by the name of Mr. T, Jimmy Tierney, who took the OV, and I don't ride backwards. Got it. Okay, because the OV rode backwards, except when TNE was working. And so he said, Listen, these tools, they get washed every morning by you. You can pour yourself a cup of coffee, but you've got to go out and clean up these tools. Oh, okay. I never knew. So I started cleaning up the tools. I started doing my job. Yeah. And I did my job. And they taught me how to be a fireman, they taught me what to do, what was required of me. And it was just, it was eye-opening to see guys who wanted to be into the job and everything else. And I worked with some phenomenal firemen.
0: Did you feel like that's, did you feel like that's, that's, that was the place? Like, you know, this is where I want to be. Now that I understand what my job is as a probie, right? And so on. Is that where you really started to go, man, this is what I was hoping this job was about?
1: Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, It was what I wanted, where I wanted uh guys i wanted to work with people who i admired and people who were willing to train me yeah yeah you know and they took the time with me and they uh did it and i worked with great guys
0: what did what did spanish harlem look like in 1985
1: i got there in 86 86 okay in 86 but it was spanish harlem i mean there were blocks and areas that were vacant buildings that had been vacant for 15, 20 years. Right. I
0: mean, this area was decimated by, you know, the 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 uh the glory days, no?
1: Uh yeah. Yeah. The, there were a lot of vacant buildings. There was a lot of occupied work. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of work, there yeah. was a lot of runs, and there was a lot of fights. Yeah. And I mean, you could go to work at any given time. Right. And we went out all the time. And I mean, the drills, it wasn't sitting in the kitchen, looking at the book. It wasn't sitting. We're going out into the streets. You weren't, we're you weren't reading the manual. <laughs> no, we were, we were living the manual. Yeah, exactly. We'd go of, yes. Go to the roof of vacant buildings. Yeah. Cut. Of, okay. Here's where you cut. Here's what you want to look for. Okay. And I remember working with guys who were great guys uh, one of the guys I worked with was uh, an African-American firefighter by the name of Kirk Lester, who was one of the best people I ever worked with.
0: I've heard you Can mention I his name before. Yeah.
1: Oh, he was great people. Yeah. But one of the things he told me is, listen, you know, the junior guy a lot of times gets the roof. And he goes, if you've got the roof, don't take the skylight unless you have to. Because if you take the skylight and let the weather into the building. You create another vacant building in Harlem. And we don't need that. So don't be indiscriminate with your work. Do it when you need to.
0: Be intentional.
1: Be intentional yeah. and be be professional. Yeah. Yeah. And it was phenomenal. It yeah. was phenomenal. I and, have to, you know Yeah, go ahead. And we used to go and we used to just drill all the time. All the time.
0: Is that when you realized training was important to you? Because I know how today training is super important to you, and you you travel to lecture, you travel to do hands-on still, and so on. So, I mean, training has become a big part of who you are today, Mike Dugan. But back in 86, on the streets of Spanish Harlem, did you start to understand and realize the importance of training then?
1: Absolutely, because yeah. training makes you a better fighter. Yeah. And you're looking at it from different paradigms, from different people's eyes, how this guy sees it, how this guy sees it. And it also, that was where I learned to critique a job. We used to go back to the same buildings all the time after a fire and people would say, you firemen are back again. We would break into a boarded up apartment to go in and go over the layout, where the guys went. Who went where? Who did what? Where was the roof, man? Where was the OV? Who dropped down? What were the communications? And all of these things. And you put these things in your bank, and it made you better at what you did. Man, I couldn't agree
0: with you more, Cap. I I, I just, I think we don't do enough of that anymore, and I think that's some of the best, the very best training you can get is that walkthrough after the fire with your company. There's so much critical information that comes out of that
1: and very honestly i mean i always joke if i had a dollar for every mistake i made it a fire sure i'd be sitting on my own private island in the bahamas <laughs> okay i'd be next to richard branson yeah but but very honestly that's where you learn yeah you know Which fire escape did you take? Oh, I went to this one, but that one, even though it's closer to the fire department, it's it doesn't get you into the fire department. Really, I would have made the same exact mistake. Okay, now we know. Now we know how things are going. So it's it's so important that we go and review and listen. Everybody makes a judgment at a fire, and I don't care who you are, if you make a judgment based on your best knowledge at that time and it's wrong as the officer i'll back you 110 percent yeah because you made it based on if you make a a stupid decision or don't bring a tool then i'll have a talk with you but if you make a decision based on what you see and what you perceived there was nothing wrong with that because i would rather have a fireman who tried and made a mistake than stands at the Base of the building, looking at it for a half an hour, trying to figure out what's going on. By the time he figures out what he's doing, the building is in ashes.
0: Yeah, we got to make decisions. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So your stint... Yeah, go ahead, please. And live by them. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's what's super important, too, Mike, and you, you hit on that, and it's this maybe this older school style of of holding each other accountable, which shouldn't be older school, but it is because our leadership and management styles have changed over the years to not this street credit uh, level of, you know, accountability that I think we need now more than ever. But here's the thing, like right? Bosses, if, if your people are making decisions based upon real-time information in front of them, and maybe it didn't work out to be the best decision, but they can back up their reason why they did it and why they did what they did, as a manager, you can't fault them for that, but what you can do is tutor them on maybe looking at more of a bigger picture or taking door number two or, you know, so on. But I, I think it's important to allow your people to make decisions and make mistakes because those mistakes will correct over time.
1: A hundred percent agree. Yeah, it's important. Because if we don't trust them yeah, to make to make the decision and make the mistake, We're going to make every decision on a fire ground. That's right. And I'm never going to be able to do anything.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So that stint in ladder 43 uh, had to be super impressionable from your probie years up through as a firefighter, right? Uh, And then you find yourself promoting to ladder 42 in the South Bronx. So different zip code, but not too far away, correct?
1: Not too far away, but I uh, went uh, other places first. Okay. All right. I ended up getting promoted at top of my class and on uh, top of my list, my lieutenant's yes. list. Nice. In uh, 94, I got promoted to lieutenant uh, January 29th, and I ended up going um, immediately UFO until further orders to engine 207 on Tillery Street in Brooklyn. Oh, in that's, Maxie Water- that's the big Europe. house there. Right. Yeah. The old super pumper. Yes. Yes. So they put you in an engine? They put me in an engine and in two oh seven um as punishment. <laughs> Maybe we'll leave it right there. <laughs> no, you can I can tell the story. Well, feel I free. Got, I got jammed up. Uh I made my rescue. I made a roof rope rescue in yeah. 43 truck. Okay. Is that
0: where you um, got the is that where you got the James Gordon, Bennett? Yes. Okay. So yes, I got the benefit for that. All right. We're but gonna I talk also, about that later. So bookmark that for later. Go ahead.
1: I made um I made that rescue and I got the daily news hero of the month for that rescue. Right. And then I got the daily news hero of the year for that rescue. But okay. when I showed up for the ceremony, uh, according to um the chief at the time, my mustache, which was bright red when I was younger made u-turns on my face my rescue made page 14 of the daily news my mustache made page seven oh. <laughs> that i was an embarrassment to the department because of my mustache wow so i had to shave my mustache and then in february of 93 we had the i and i shaved my mustache right if i made my rescue yes and then nobody else was ordered to shave got it so so i grew it back and then i end up at the um the, the first bombing of the world trade Cebu- trade center february 26 1993 yes. i drove there and we ended up on the evening news on world news tonight my yes. parents saw me in florida and i had the same mustache yes so when i got promoted I went to 207 UFO and I was told, do you get the message now? (laughs) So I got the message. Yep. Loud and clear. So so I ended up down there for a little while in 207 and then they moved me. uh, My division commander was a good, good guy. And he moved me to a truck company. So I was in ladder 119 for nine months. And then I finally got transferred up to Harlem, uh, the um, the 6th Division, which was Harlem in the Bronx. Right. And I was UFO in lot of 28, and I thought I had a shot at that spot. Yeah. It's a good truck. Uh, Harlem, yeah, good truck. The yep. Harlem Hilton. Yep. And um, a guy left 42 to go to 28, so I slid right over into a 42 truck, and I became a lieutenant 42 truck. Nice. So, yep. So it was a lot of fun. 42 truck was a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, I'm sure. Um, So, so much in that last three minutes to unpack. I mean, that's a career's worth for most people. And that was only a a short couple of years for you. But let's talk about a couple of things. One, uh, you go way back, go back a little bit. But you mentioned the the roof, the uh, rope rescue, the roof rescue, right? So you were recognized with the James Gordon Bennett Award on that one. Um, mm-hmm. And that is the, uh, that is the, I guess the, not the highest. The highest is the
1: Archer award, correct? The Harry M. The Arch- Archer. The, the Archer is the highest. Correct. That's given, the Bennett is given every year. Right. And every third year. Yes. They take the top Bennett and give him the Archer.
0: Yeah. Okay. So that roof rope rescue, I mean, what, how, can you give me a little background on it? How it went down? I mean, it, it's incredible. Sure. Yeah, please. Sure.
1: Um, it was December 23rd. Um, and I was, um, we were at that time, um, we were in a 24 group chart. The The contract had changed and everything else. And we were getting sent out of our firehouse. We were getting detailed a lot. Right. And I had gotten detailed to another company to um, to drive. Cause I was a chauffeur at the time. Got it. So I went down to drive someplace else and I'm coming back to the firehouse and I'm bringing my gear in and everything else. And the one of the guys looks at me and says, um, where are you coming from? And I said, oh, I was down driving. I think it was a lot of 16 today. I was detailed down to 16 truck. And he goes, are you available? And I said, yeah. He goes, there's a screw up in the manpower. They didn't realize that, you know, somebody was off. And I said, oh, okay. You know, yeah, I'm here. I mean, and it's 15 hours of overtime right before Christmas. I'll take it. It'll help pay the Christmas bills. Sure. You know? Yeah. So um, I said, okay. And the um, guy who was working, who was one of the senior men, not the chauffeur, came over and um, said to me, Well, we thought we were getting a guy from another company. And so we gave him the roof. Um, You're the senior guy on the back step, not the chauffeur. But um, we've already set up the um, the writing list. Would you mind taking the roof? And I'm like, well, you know, it's not the way it goes, but I'm on overtime. I'm like, yeah, I'll take the roof. And he goes, okay. and by the way. Thank God you're here because you're going to be the cook tonight because none of us know how to cook.
0: <laughs> the important job.
1: Are you kidding? Right, right. Yeah. So I'm like, all right, all right, let's get on the uh, rig. So we get on the rig, and um, we have a job around the corner uh, on Park, Park Avenue and 103rd Street, uh, and it's a fire on the uh, third floor, and it's, it's a rocking job. And it's a big renovated building. So I got the roof. I go up the adjoining and I get up to the roof and I put my rope down. And, um, I look over the back and there's a guy out the window at, on the fifth floor, hanging out the window on yeah. the windowsill. And I'm like, I got a guy trapped in the back. Uh, I'm going to need help. So I go pop the bulkhead door to try to relieve the smoke coming out. Cause there's smoke coming out over his head. Right. And I try to relieve the smoke and there's fire coming up and everything else. And then I say, listen, uh, I see the people, the civilians up on the roof. And they start to touch my rope. And I'm like screaming at them, don't touch that. Don't touch that. Because they were going to lower it off the roof to this guy. And I go over and a couple of guys from um, 26 trucks show up. They were the second through truck. And um, Billy McCann lowers me. And... um, I'm sorry, John McCann, and Billy Donahue um, sits on an angle because from the substantial object, there's like a 45-degree angle to where we've got to go off the roof to get this guy. So uh, Billy Donahue sits on the roof, and we run the rope through his uh, personal uh, harness. Right. And that beca- he becomes like part of the substantial object on the roof. So I go down.
0: It should be and- said, you're no little guy. Cap.
1: no 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 no
0: so for you going over the edge these guys these guys had to be eyes wide open
1: <laughs> oh yeah and then i get down there and the guy jumps at me oh wow and i catch him yeah i catch him in my arms and i got him like this yeah and um then we got to kind of go past the fire and go down and they lower me down and in the back it's a six-story building but in the back it's a seven story because it's got a rear yard yep And we run out of rope. So I'm hanging there. And finally, a guy comes and he kind of lifts me up and uh, helps them take enough strain off the rope to untie it to get down.
0: So they lowered you to the ground or tried to. You didn't get pulled in another window. Got it.
1: No, nope, nope. Got lowered to the ground. And then um, we go out front and they put me into an ambulance. And I'm sitting in an ambulance and I'm shaking. Like the adrenaline is pumping. I'm like, sure. shaking. And the medic looks at me and says, uh, I'm going to try to take a blood gas, relax. And I look at him and, uh, excuse my expression, but i say I am effing relaxed. And he goes, we'll try that later. <laughs> and then, then I see this guy come out with his wife and he's the, um, tenant of the apartment. Um, And it was right around Christmas time. And he was like a street vendor and he had stuff in the apartment. Yeah. This guy is burnt, burnt up, burnt up. His two kids died in the fire. Oh, boy. And I look at this guy and I look at the the medic and I go, I'm getting out of this ambulance. I'll sit on the stool, take care of him. Yeah. Because this guy's hands, this, this. His skin is coming off his face from trying to get down the hallway to get his kids. I mean, I can't imagine. I can't imagine. And so I get out of the ambulance and the guy goes, no, 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 you're first. I said, no, absolutely. Take care of him. So they take care of him. And then they take me to the hospital and I go down. And it's just, you know, like I'm keyed up and my lower back is killing me because I caught this guy being on a heart. You know, it was on Mm -hmm. a bone one on a bite. So come down, and I'll never forget, the medic came by to find me, and he said, listen, I just want to tell you, that's the most uh, Christian thing I've ever seen anybody do, getting out of that ambulance for that father. Thank you. And that made my whole day. Of course. That made my day. But then, so, yeah, go ahead, please. But that that's the story of the, uh, the James Gordon Bennett. Yeah.
0: But, I mean, what I was going to say, I mean, it's an incredible feat in and of itself, right? And and all of it that goes into the process and the guys that lowered you and and so on, right? But the humility that you have and the, the compassion you have for the people that you serve, I mean, for you to, you know, step aside and, and for the medic to make a comment like that, that truly just speaks to your uh, – Your makeup, though. I mean, everything that I know about you and the the many times that we've uh, shared some laughs and, and some storytelling over the last few years, I've just come to know you as a very humble gentleman who loves to talk about the guys that have come before you. And you love, in fact, to talk about the generation that's coming up behind you. When I listened to your Lifetime Achievement Award from Fire Engineering, the Tom Brennan Lifetime Achievement Award, I was in the crowd that day at FDIC. And I watched with very proud to call you a brother and friend to watch you receive that. And you said in it, you said, I've done my basically I'm I'm, I'm, uh, summarizing, but you said I've carried the torch. Now it's time for the next generation to pick that torch up and go fall in love with this job take accountability and and accept responsibility for it and it's your turn so that you can be on this stage for in years to come so you are very much endorsing the the betterment of this job and the humility that comes
1: with it where does that come from for you it's just because without the brothers and sisters without the team we're yep. nothing we're nothing okay i couldn't have done that roof rope rescue without the training yeah and the training goes back to every guy that was ever in a rope training with us every guy that was ever on the roof when we practiced and very honestly my company we drilled on that all the time 43 truck drilled on that all the time yeah and i remember one time we were um on the rig and on the rig was jimmy sears who made a roof rope rescue and rescued a, a captain who was trapped at a job jimmy Steele who rescued a woman out of a bathroom window uh, who was covered with uh, paint and he rescued her and me. And we were all on the rig together. Wow. Um, Because we all believed in that. We believed in each other. We believed in it's a team. And if we don't, then we're done. Yeah,
0: yeah. We don't have anything without each other, right? I mean, that's... Exactly. It's the theme.
1: It's the firehouse. Yes. And, you know, I don't care if you're in the places like I started out, the ladder 137. You have to go and practice. You have to do it. If you do it by yourself, you have to read something, whether it's uh, an article, whether it's a book, whether it's a NIOSH report, something to be prepared to do the job. Yeah. Okay. And if everyone doesn't do their tasks, their job, I always said as an officer. The most important communication I ever get. Is you telling me that something I assigned you to do you can't do? For whatever reason, because if I tell you Jeremy, get to the roof and open a bulkhead, I expect that done, Sure. period, end of story. Yes. And if you get up there and you can't open the bulkhead because the roof is, there's no roofing material on it. You know, there's no sheathing on the roof or the roof is burnt through. I want to know about it. I mean, I had one of my guys call me one time at a pretty good job when I was a captain and he says, uh, 123 roof to 123. Hey, Cap, I threw the life-saving rope on the roof and the roof moved because it was an isolated building right and i'm like don't go on the roof yeah and i hear the chief back down the ladder do not go on the roof he automatically agreed but you know tell me okay now i know the roof's not getting opened you know i know you're not getting the bulkhead so I, i i know these things so think about these things now, of course, the brothers, they took this melted the life-saving rope and the uh, life belt that was around the bag. They took that and <laughs> made a nice platform <laughs> that it was th- all melted. You together. knew that was in- coming. yeah, oh, you knew that was coming of course,
0: but yeah. I love that though, because there's a there's a, a level of expectation then, right? You as a boss in one twenty three and and I'm sure you did it in forty two. And I'm sure it was ingrained in you in forty three and before that, and the companies in between all that, right? Like, there's a level of expectation that I don't really want to hear from you unless you can't do your job, right? Because the expectation is you're doing your job. And if your job is to make that roof, then go make that roof. And I only need to know that you couldn't get to the roof or something's hampering you in your abilities to do so because that changes the outcome of what my expectation is.
1: Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: We need more of that. We need yeah, we, more, we need more of that. And and it's I think it's uh uh, you know, uh, I don't know. I don't know how to even form that conversation. I talk about it a lot, but it's, I think we need more than that. I think we need to set our people up for success with with giving them what the expectation is. And there should be no no gray in the expectation other than if you can't perform it due to extenuating circumstances. Right. Yeah.
1: I mean, I was a roofman one time, and I'll tell you this story because I think it's historical. Please. I was a roofman in 43 Truck, and I went up onto the roof, and we had it was an isolated building, and we had a pretty good food on the stove. Okay. So the building was full of smoke. So I go up the aerial, and I hop off the roof, and I step in dog poop. <laughs> and I'm like, son of a bitch. And I was back in the day, I was in just blue jeans and right. truck shoes. Right. Cause it was a food on the stove mm-hmm. well then i get bit by a german shepherd oh shit and he takes a chunk out of the back of my leg and i see him go down this the bulkhead and into the apartment on the top floor so i call the boss and i'm like hey listen boss just for you, for your information i just got bit by a dog up on the roof and so he comes and the boss comes and we go down we knock on the door they don't come to the door we knock on the door they don't come and i saw the dog go into the apartment. yeah 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 and i'm like son of a gun and i'm bleeding you know it's i think i got a stitch mm-hmm. okay but it wasn't bad but right I'm, you know kind of worried like what's going on here well they go into the airport they get the cops the cops come in and again thought this turns into a huge ordeal because the people won't give the dog up so they take the people out in handcuffs. They go in and my boss looks at me and he goes, hey, listen, I'm just going to tell you if this thing comes out as a mini poodle or sh- small schnauzer, <laughs> you're going to have to put your paper You're going to have to transfer. I love that. And the cops come and the license the people have on the dog is for uh, stolen from another dog on yeah. the Upper East Side. And it turns out that the dog, um, they, they ended up uh, darting. The ESU cops darted the dog brought it out to see if it had rabies. Yeah. Okay. And, but I mean, my expectation was to get the roof. Yes. And, you know, you got to do it. Yes. And then that's what you, you know, the expectation. Okay. You got bit by this dog. This better be a pretty good sized dog. Yeah. Because I mean, funny. I hit that thing in the head with a Halligan and I knew it was a shepherd. Of sure. <laughs> but, yeah.
0: Well, getting the job done, plain and simple. Yep. And that's your job. Yep. So. Yep. Talk to me a little bit about being a boss, right? So, uh, you know, your years bouncing around a little bit, then you ended up at 42, and then being a captain of 123, which is uh, Crown Heights, which is a uh, busy shop, no? Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah they were busy. Yeah. What
0: did What did you enjoy? Did you enjoy being a company officer? I mean, you know. Yes, I did. Yeah. Yes, I did. Talk to me a little yes, bit sir. about that. Um. Well,
1: there's a difference, too. Okay. And I got to be, um, there's a difference between a lieutenant and a captain. Yes. Um, as far as a lieutenant, you're in charge of the shift. Right. A captain, you're in charge of the firehouse. Yes. You know, you're a company in yes. that firehouse. Mm-hmm. And, and so as a lieutenant, you can say, listen, you know, we're not doing this on my shift. Or you can say, this is what it is on my shift. As a captain, you were saying, we're not doing this in my company. Um, I, again, I followed a great captain when I was a captain and there was, um, they put together all of the stuff for the probies. And it's something that I highly believe in. If you get new people in the fire service, in your company, in your firehouse, you have to tell them what you expect of them. Yes. The fire service has unwritten rules and regulations and laws that we expect these people to know how to follow but we don't tell them what they are. Okay. Well, we told them we listed it and this was done before me. And I just picked up the thing. Okay. You're working a nine by six store. You have to be here by eight o'clock. You are to relieve the details. Somebody, a guest for another firehouse right. first. Mm-hmm. And then you are to get your gear out, make coffee, start doing your job, cleaning up the firehouse, cleaning up the kitchen, whatever it is. We listed everything you had to do that day, that the tools had to be cleaned and washed. What you have to do on a night tour, what you can do. You have to do this. You have to help with the meal. You have to be the first up from the the kitchen table. Now, that's one that I had a little bit of a problem with because, again, in the advent of cell phones, we don't spend the time talking to each other like we used to. Yeah. So I used to tell guys, you can't get up until we are done. Let's everybody finishes their meal, you know, cause the guys used to shovel it in and then get up to start cleaning the pots. Wait, we have to give ourselves five or 10 minutes to talk to become that family, to make yeah. that family time together. Okay. Let's do some fun stuff in the kitchen. Uh, and you know, that's the whole thing. So, I think being a boss is great because the other thing is you train people to take your place. Okay. There are guys who were firemen for me who are now deputy chiefs in the FDNY. Yeah. Okay. And they were motivated, great individuals and they went up the ranks. They're changing the department. Okay. I love people who do more Every firehouse should be a stepping stone for greater things, for better things. Okay. What are you going to do? Are you going to go to a special operations command? Are you going to go to uh, promote? You're going to study. You're going to get better. What are you going to do? Okay. To make this department, this job better. And everywhere you go, people will say, where'd you come from? And you go, oh, ladder 123." Oh, okay. I know that shop. Yeah. shop. Okay. Right. You know, and your name goes with you. I remember one time as a young Lieutenant, I was detailed to Staten Island and I had a 43 truck jacket on and I was in a rural part of Staten Island. And the guy, it was the first time I had ever seen uh, the old hydro Ram, the pump hydro Ram right. on the officer's front seat of the rig. And he goes, <clears throat> because we're alone for five to six minutes before we get any backup. Right. So they have the hydro so you can force the door. But the guy said to me, don't go too far because you're by yourself. You know, I see you're from a great company. Yeah. But don't go too far because you are by yourself. So, again, we see that our reputation, our companies, our departments precede us. Everybody knows where you work. We used to say in the FDMY, okay, the company n- number is on the door, and on that same door is your name if you work there. So you are responsible for that company's their reputation because of who you are.
0: Right. Got you. I'm just looking right now as the rescue truck from a neighboring town just flies by my house. Uh, looks like there might be a job one town over. <laughs> Anyway, sorry, Mike. Uh, No, no, listen, character is everything, right? I mean, character, it's the the only thing that you get to take with you, and you got to make a name for yourself. And I I couldn't agree with you more because it's not just your own character, but it's your company, your department, and all of that, all of that gets carried through, and uh, it matters.
1: And very honestly, character and ethics, okay, integrity, Yes. These words matter. OK, I always used to say, OK, there is a price that everybody pay will is willing to accept. OK, there is a price. Yes. And I don't care who you are. There is a price. OK, but what that price is varies. And I remember one time working um, when a guy from 28 truck was getting the James Gordon Bennett uh, Duddy, John Duddy was getting the James Gordon Bennett medal from 28 truck. I was working in 28 truck and we had a fire and I had all guests. The driver was a guest. All of the guys on the back step were guests. And because I was uh, in the house UFO until further orders, I wasn't assigned. So I was a guest. So I had this company of all guests and we had a job and we were first through with the job. But we got in second to because the guy driving had a problem getting the rig out of uh, the air brakes off the rig. He couldn't get it running. We got there. Yeah. And the second to truck looked at me and he said, hey, Mike, you guys here? And I said, yep, they're here. And he says, "Okay, we're going to go to our assigned location, the floor above. And my guys were still coming up the stairs. But I'm like, we got this. This is ours. And that was the way it worked in Harlem. And we went into this apartment and it was a drug den. And we're in there, and there is a suitcase full of marijuana. There are shipping containers, the old cardboard circular containers. Right. That you should ship full of pot. There's money everywhere. After we're cleaning up, we're overhauling after the job, and we throw a box spring out the window. It hits the street in Harlem, and pops, and hundreds go flying. <laughs> it was a riot. Yeah, I bet. We have a gun in the apartment. We cleared a gun, because uh, I was a former cop, and I knew guns. I cleared the gun, put it down, left it there, told him I cleared it, and then I find a stack of hundreds, and it was probably an inch and a half, yeah, maybe two inches sure. ro- rolled up hundreds. And I walk up to a cop, and I go, "Here you go, bro." And he looks at me, and I'm quoting, he goes, "With all of them Goddamn pockets." you are given this to me. Yeah. And I go, yep. Because even though I could have used that money sure. because I would just bought my house and everything else, I'm like, Nope. Because if I take that, I'm one of them and I'll always have to look in the mirror to see if they're coming after me for taking that, you know, cause I have to be honest to me, my integrity, there is a price. I haven't seen anybody who's willing to pay the price yet for my integrity. Okay. But there is a price, but it's millions and millions and millions of dollars. Yeah. Okay. But that's the great thing about the fire service. Okay. Nobody can take it from you. You have to be willing to give it away. Wow. I,
0: it's such a powerful message right there because I think that, um, you know, even on a, a large scale, say something like that, to being put in a, you know, in a situation where you could be tempted to a small everyday little thing that you might sacrifice your own integrity your values for because it might make something a little bit easier or you feel it's the right answer to give somebody when you should tell them the truth. Like, those are those things that, like, add up, though, you know? And for you to share that story, I mean, that's powerful. and um, And I appreciate that because I think – we're losing track of integrity and character, and I think people are willing to sacrifice themselves for a quick fix or an easy, or an easy uh, score, if you will. And um, I appreciate you sharing that, because at the end of the day, and I wrote it down, I, it says if I take that, I'm now one of them. And yeah. I, that is, that's strong, Mike. That's really strong. I appreciate and, you. Yeah.
1: But it's the truth.
0: Yes, 100%. I mean, you,
1: you have to be able to put your hand on your pillow and live with yourself yeah and uh, you know i got that i grew up with that irish catholic mother sitting on my shoulder <laughs> telling me you know this is the right thing this is the right thing to do do yes. it yes you know yeah and it's huge
0: yeah it's well, huge that's in, it, it's a great message and it's still uh it, it's it needs to be pre- more prevalent now than ever Um, and, and that's, thank you for sharing that story. That's great. Let me, let me ask you this segueing a little bit, because I don't want to keep you all morning here, but, um, you know, let's talk a little bit about your career. I mean, it's quite colorful, right? 27 years in the FDNY, some real busy houses, some busy shops. You go, you, you've been to a lot of fires. You've been to a lot of type of work. You're talking 93 world trade center bombing, which you made the world news, right? thousand one September eleventh two thousand one you were mm-hmm. you were involved uh, with uh, Ground Zero and and everything that went down there. there the iconic photo of you hanging the American flag up uh, with a few other brothers uh, on the traffic signal um, yep. and that photo circulated all over the world. Um, when we were sitting, let me let me throw it back this way because Corley Moore and I, Corley Moore runs Firehouse Vigilance, which I know you know. <laughs> the weekly scrap podcast, and Corley's a dear friend of mine. And we were all in Texas together last year, and we all went out right. to dinner, and I, I ended up sitting next to you, and Corley and his wife were across from you a bunch, with a bunch of other people. That was one of the most memorable moments I've had at any conference was because I sat there and prompt. I just dropped little little things all night long to keep you talking. And it was so much, it was so much fun, and I talk about that with Corley all the time. I said, what a great night. Because you were very open and, and honest about your job and in the, the events that you've been a part of, and you know all those all those things that, that have really shaped you into who you are and what you've become. And, and so I guess that's my question to you. with such a colorful career, what has that done to you as a person? I mean, you are a firefighter. You are the epitome of what a firefighter is, about service, loyalty, um, putting others first. I mean, this really is what I envision, and what I've seen of who you are. What has the fire service done for you?
1: Oh, my God. Well, first off, it gave me everything I have. Yeah. I mean, it gave me everything. I um, I got to live my dream. Okay, I became a volunteer firefighter in 1970, 73, um, yeah, December, uh, January of 74, January of 74. I became a volunteer firefighter. Okay. And then I found out you could get paid to do this. And in 85, I became a career firefighter. Um, you know, I have a great life with my wife. We've been together 42 years. Um, I have two beautiful kids. The fire service has taken care of me. It's given me more than I can ever give it back. Yeah. Uh, and it's just, it's introduced me to people all over the world, friends. I mean, I have my buddy Phil in Australia, who I talk to every other week in Australia, that we met through the fire service. Yeah. I have my buddy, you know, guys like you, Steve, mm-hmm. uh, Kevin Yost, uh, all over, Dave Gallagher. Sure. I've met all of these people through the fire service. Mike Champo. I can go on and on and on. Mike right. Galliano. And the friendships that I have um, received, the people who are a part of my life, it's just been amazing. It's amazing to me how much it has given me and how much I have been blessed by what it was. I'm just a dumb kid from New York who just got lucky, fell in with the right group of people who trained me right and helped me become the man I am. And I mean, I have to give props to my dad, who was a World War II veteran, who helped shape me into the man I am. But very honestly, in the fire service, all of those brothers and sisters who came across my pet, each of them affected me in a way. Some for the good, most for the good, some for the bad, some for the bad. But everybody can be an example for the good or the bad. Okay, and you take a little bit of everybody, what you like, what you don't, and you put them together and it helps mold who you are. And those are the things that change your career. Who were your heroes? Who were the people you wanted to be like? You know, um, uh, I think about my first captain who I loved. He was like a father figure to me. Yeah. And he was just a man who walked the walk and talked the talk. But he didn't talk the talk until he walked that walk. He yeah. did everything. And he taught me that. We'd go out training and he we would be doing something and we'd say, okay, Cap, I think we got it. No, 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 I haven't done my turn yet. And I was like, what? He goes, yeah, if you guys have to use this rope, I have to use this rope. And when I was a captain, I remember we were going to uh, do bailouts in a fire situation with the uh, Hornets, say, the Black Sunday. And one of the guys training said, hey, Cap, you're one of the senior captains. Don't worry about it. You don't have to do this. I said, if my guys have to do this, I have to do it. Yeah. Because I have to be able to tell them that I can do this if we get jammed up. And I'm not going to be the, the first one out the window. I'm going to be the last one out the window. Right. Right. And, you know, that it's it gives you the fire service gives back so much if you are willing to get involved and buy into It's not just a job. And that's,
0: I mean, to be honest, that's why I I asked you this question because so many people listen to this podcast from all different walks of life in the fire service. And, you know, to hear somebody that is, you know, I I put you on the big stage. I mean, the accomplishments and, and who you've become and who you are and the influence you have on the American fire service. It is so valuable for all of us to hear how grateful you are Um, But it should be said that, you know, there's a lot of people that help shape who you were, but it also takes yourself. And I think we all sell ourselves a little bit short on that message, too, in that it comes to work ethics and values and morals, which are certainly learned from, you know, others around us and the people we choose to surround ourselves with, but also it's inherently within. And I think, Mike, that your message and what you just said for the last few minutes there is beautiful because it makes people that are falling out of love with the fire service to maybe rethink, start surrounding themselves with different people, put themselves in a different company, stay in love with it because the reward is a hundredfold versus, uh, you know, what, what it just gives
1: you. It's just, it, it's powerful. And very honestly, if you have fallen out of love with the fire service, self reflect, Yeah. figure out, figure out why. Yes. Is it you? Is it you? Or is it someone in the, in your department? Maybe it's someone above you, but maybe you have to be the bigger person in the room and choose to forgive or move on. Okay. And do the right thing. You know, every, every, there were people who have, um, done the things I thought were wrong in my career. And we have come to arguments, to uh, fights in the firehouse. And once we get there, no matter who, we're wrong. Once it gets to that, we have to communicate and figure out what's going on, why we are having these things. And that's all of that stuff. And I love that stuff. I mean, uh, uh. You know, Crucial Conversations is one of my favorite books, reading it about why we do these things, why we get into this situation. And I still have gotten emotional. And again, you can think. Or you can fight, but you can't do both at the same time. You can't do both at the same time. Okay, so you have to decide what you want to do, how you want to do this and be that person. Who can do these things.
0: Yeah, I'm sorry for the pause, Mike. I'm writing that down. You, can't, you can think or you can fight, but you can't do both at the same time, right?
1: Yep. Yep. Because you can't. You know, you're, it's that emotion. We are humans and we have that gas between fight and flight, between thinking yeah. and going into that fight or flight stage. We have that gap. Yes. Okay. And if we don't use that gap to think we go right to fight, we're not going to be thinking. Okay. And again, I've been there and I've done it and I try to get better at it because these are some of the flaws in my personality.
0: And this and and it should be said, like, this is the second time that I've heard you say that quote. So I wanted to write it down. The first time I heard it was in Texas when uh, this house rocks, Mike Gaglione. Or Gagliano yep. and uh, yep. and yourself, you guys do a class together. Mike's uh, in C- uh, Seattle. Fireman is he retired? Did he retire? Yes, he is. Okay, yep.
1: he retired as the captain, a lot of five.
0: Got it. So I I had the. Privilege just to sit back and listen to you guys do, I think it was an abbreviated version of that class. Yes. Um, but I had heard you say that once before, and I'm glad it just came back up because I was trying to remember that quote because I think it's a powerful quote. And you guys put together a fantastic class. And maybe just as we start to wrap up a little bit, right, we're about an hour in, and I don't want to hold you all morning here, but um, you are doing and teaching and lecturing and doing hands-on. And and This House Rocks is just one of a few different classes that I think you offer. Uh, and so yep. on and so what the training aspect so important and you still find yourself learning every day i know you talk about how much you like to read uh and yep. you read for knowledge right which i think is important um as for the training aspect of it how can people find you if they want to you know they'd love to pursue and and hear more of your message or uh, maybe the class this house rocks which i would and uh let everyone know that it's a certainly a fantastic class and to uh to inquire about that i think it's it's beneficial for anybody. Um, But talk to me about just a little bit about the training aspect, how much you love it and what you have coming up in the future and so on.
1: Okay. Um, But I want to just say one thing about reading. And I believe that readers are leaders, but I also, I read a lot for knowledge, but I also read for fun. And if you don't read for fun, enjoyment reading, and you just read for knowledge, you're going to lose the desire to read. You should read both. And I try to um, stagger what I read and I'm reading right now uh, a Western about Texas. That's fun. Yeah. Okay. The next one I'll read is for knowledge, but I switch them up because you have to keep enjoying it. Um, talking about the training. Um, I think the training is so vital to people. Uh, I mean, I've got a couple of things uh, working in the future. I'm going to be down in North Florida uh, at the North Florida Fire Expo in, uh, I think, early March. Um, I'm going to be doing a couple of other things. I'm not sure when yet, but of course, I'll be at FDIC again this year. But the training is something that everyone should be involved in. Okay, you should get involved, and if you want to get in touch with me, uh, you can find me at uh, captaindugan.com. You can also find me on Facebook as Captain Dugan and Mike Dugan, because I have uh, in my personal the Mike Dugan or Michael Dugan, I guess it is. But uh, you can only have five thousand friends, then you got to move public. <laughs> so I've got a, a a personal page and a public page. Yes. Um, But you can find me there. But it's, you know, um, my stuff is out there. It's available. uh, And my email is simple. Uh, I am old school. My email is Dugan, D-U-G-A-N, fire at AOL. That's how old I am. I still have my AOL.
0: I still have one as well, Cap. So no worries there. No worries at all. But listen, I just wanted to say thank you. Um, this past hour has been so much fun for me. Um, I've been wanting to chat with you formally like this for quite a long time, and I know we've talked about it a few times trying to get together and and so on. And I'd, I'd love to have you back on because there's a thousand things we could go down and the storytelling and the experiences. I mean, I didn't even get a chance to talk to you about riding in the phone booth on the rear mounts. I mean, there's so many things.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. 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 There's so much stuff.
0: Yep. Oh, for yep. sure. And you know, and so for all of that, it's just, uh, it's important to me and I, it's, it's super important that, uh, we get and share your message. And that's kind of what national fire radio was built on when we first started was, sharing the stories of the senior man if you will and you know the the next generation has as as you eloquently put it in your lifetime achievement award speech at FDIC this past year You know, what you had said was very simply in passing that torch on. And that's what National Fire Radio is trying to do. If we can share a few of Captain Mike Dugan's stories and they resonate and somebody gets something out of it, we've done our part. And I think today, this past hour with you, has just been wonderful. And uh, I think there was a lot of great little nuggets in there for people to digest and listen to. And I just thank you for your morning hour, you know, an hour this morning with you. Uh, Certainly made my day better. So I appreciate you, brother. Thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Thank you, and to all of the the folks out there listening, thank you all for listening, and God bless you. And just remember, stay passionate about what we do. As Captain Patty Brown said, you can never train enough for a job that could kill you. Yeah.
0: And with that, thank you, Cap. I appreciate your time this morning. Uh, let me sign off, and then I'm going to come right back. So don't hang up, okay? Hang right there okay. with me. Great. Everyone, thank you again for tuning in to the National Fire Radio podcast. Today was just a special treat. Captain Mike Dugan retired out of the FDMY, Highly decorated firefighter, captain, retired as a captain, and just absolutely loves and cherishes the American Fire Service, which we all should. So thanks for tuning in. Take this episode. Take it to the firehouse. When you break bread tonight with your brothers and sisters, Talk about the job. Talk about this episode. Share a story. Talk about the job because as we talk about the job, we're making the job better. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you at the next one for myself and Captain Mike Dugan, National Fire Radio.